Hello and welcome to The Spread, a safe and loving space where we get to express our sexuality with absolutely no judgment. This is season three and I'm your host, Kaz. So let me tell you why I'm completely in awe of safe Kenya. They're out there doing God's work. There is a particular community in Maasai land where girls are no longer being genitally mutilated because of the intervention of safe ma. They're educating young people on the dangers of practicing unsafe sex and are also educating people on the pleasures of sex and sexuality. They're out here just blowing my mind. And I had the opportunity to interview a few of the people closely affiliated with the organization. So I don't want to get into too much, but just like, wow. Wow. Just just like, wow. Just listen in. Wait, before you do, don't forget to follow us on all of our social media platforms. That's at the spread pod everywhere. And subscribe to our podcasts wherever you get your podcasts. If you're listening from an Apple device, you can just ask Siri to help you find us. It's so simple. You could just be like, yo, Siri, play the Spread podcast. Or even be more specific and be like, Siri, why don't you play the most recent episode of the Spread podcast with Safe Kenya? And Bob's your uncle. If you're on Apple Podcasts now, please, guys, we don't even ask you for much. We don't ask you for much. Just leave us a review. Leave us five stars. Keep us at the top of the Apple Podcasts playlist. Just just do it. Just do it now. You're listening now. So just go on there. Click five stars. Leave us a short review. Just say dope, dope content or whatever it is you want to say. For our episode today, please excuse the background noise. We were recording in an outdoor space and there was airplanes just like flying over every so often. It's not terrible, but I just want to apologize for that. Also, really quickly, if anybody is interested in a femdom class, people who are interested in BDSM and kink, please head over to Jet Setting Jasmine or King Noir's Instagram page. There is a link there. There's actually a link on our Instagram page as well with a 10% discount if you use the code SPREAD. Okay, that's it. I'm done plugging things. I'm done plugging things. Listen to the episode. In the studio today, we have three wonderful guests. I would like to introduce you to Kaschana, mm-hmm. Kilume, yeah. and Nick. Hi. Hello, guys. Hello. Hi, Kaz. <laughs> so maybe we'll just go around the table and uh-huh. you can introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about yourself and why you love the spread. <laughs> well, <laughs> I am Elizabeth. Cassie Chana. Cassie Chana. Yes. Did I did I say your name wrong? No, you didn't. Cassie Chana, like a small girl. Yes, but you 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 had your eyes silent. Oh, Cassie Chana. Yeah, good girl. Okay. <laughs> Samahani. I'm uh, junior project manager, Seth Pony. Well, I'm beautiful and uh, yes, energetic girl. and uh, yes. a go getter. And uh, I love the spread because people talk. Yes. People talk freely because, you know, it's good work. Thank you. Keep doing that. 
Thank you. You too. You uh, too. You're thank fierce. You. Fierce. <laughs> fierce young girl. Yeah, my name is David Kalume, project manager. Second. Well, what I like much about spread is like uh, there are those discussions that we fail to talk in our communities. Mm-hmm. We talk them here. Yeah. Very important topics. That's true. I think that is what brings me much listening to the spread. The spread. The spread. But in the real sense, these are very important information that needs to go to the community, mm. but no one likes to talk about it. That's mm. true. And uh, as part of our work, we do try to talk about it. We get resistance, but we're trying our best. So getting this platform, I think, does a bit. Amen. Yeah. Um, so I'm Nick. I'm the founder and director of SAFE. Um, and we do a lot of work around sexual health. So the spread for us is something really special. You know, everyone is having sex, but a lot of the time people are just not talking about it. Mm -hmm. And young people particularly are trying to navigate a fast-changing sexual landscape and with very, very little guidance. So we're delighted to be here. Thank you. And actually, Nick and I have been friends for a really, really, lo- really, really long time. We have. Yeah. How so long? I, hmm, good question. <laughs> Seven, eight years. Oh, okay. Has <laughs> it? Yeah. <laughs> Thank you guys for coming on to the spread. Thank Maybe, you. Nick, I want to start with you. Tell us a little bit about SAFE. What is it? Okay, Where so are you? What are you doing? Okay, so in 2001, I came to Mombasa with a Kenyan pediatrician who I'd met in Los Angeles. I was an actor, and I'd been there promoting a film that I was in. And I was introduced to him, and he was an assistant professor at NYU Medical Center, and he specialized in pediatric HIV. Um, he wanted to be able to offer some of the services he was offering to mothers and children in New York in his hometown. And I was just incredibly moved by what he was doing and started doing voluntary work for him in Los Angeles and got him about $30,000 worth of equipment donated for his laboratory and got to know him in the process and then offered to come with him. And I'm very happy to say he said, yes, please. And uh, I came and spent six months building the clinic in Mombasa. And, you know, there's a lot of that. You go from Hollywood to a public hospital in Africa. I mean, I'd worked in Africa, I'd traveled in Africa, I wasn't a sort of total innocent. But it's quite shocking, some of the issues you are confronted with. But the thing that really upset me and angered me was the failure of public health education. I mean, we would, when we opened the clinic, we'd have one smart, intelligent woman after another coming into the clinic, and they would literally know nothing about the disease. And this is 2001. You're 20 years into the epidemic, and the information had not reached the community at all. So I was like, well, what's my profession doing? You know, theater and education, we've all heard about that. And uh, I started asking around and people said, oh, uh, yeah, little plays about AIDS. I said, well, let's do a big play. Let's find the best actors and let's put on a play. So I went round Mombasa looking at a few groups and a couple of pretty dreadful ones. And then I found this extraordinary world-class group of actors, some of whom we're still working together 17 years later. And uh, we, I got together and we devised the play with Shafiq and other doctors from the hospital and we took it out on the road. And everyone said the same thing, whether it was the chiefs, the public health officers, the heads of the support groups or the women's groups, they were all like, where have you people been? This is what we need the community to understand. And it wasn't rocket science, we just made a really good story really good characters. We had all the information about HIV. All the actors came from the community that we were performing to. 
And I think critically we were funny. Okay. And if you make people laugh, they like you and they listen and they to what listen. you have to say. Yeah. And uh, um, a huge amount of the initial intake into the clinic because there was so much stigma and discrimination around that time and all the belief in witchcraft and superstitions. But a lot of the initial intake into the clinic came because of the shows. And it just sort of grew from there. Okay. And that and became Safe Pwani. And this is, this is over a period of how long? So by, that was 2001, I built the clinic. By 2003, I was living here. And, mm. and we had Safe Pwani in Mombasa. And then very quickly, people started asking me to come and do something in Nairobi. Um, so we formed Safe Ghetto in the Nairobi slums. Um, and then we have two other groups, Safe Ma with the Maasai and Loita and Safe Samburu. And with those two groups, we use all traditional Maasai and Samburu song and story to begin discussion and debate around not just HIV, because we're now multi-issue. So we also have a big campaign against female genital mutilation cutting in Loita and in Samburu. Um, and then in Safe Pwani, we do a lot of work around um, radicalization of Islamic youth as well. Okay. So you guys are f part of Safe Pwani. Yeah. Yes. Do you get to travel to Maasai land? Well, not Maasai. I've been up in Samburu once. Mm. Yeah, to see whether we can come up with a skit, a play, new thing that Samburu wanted to learn. So Nick brought me up with him, and it was fun. Uh, yes. uh, all of the shows done in vernacular? Mm. Yeah. This is a really interesting it's way so to I mean, teach. You, you know something it. about why we're not in that much of traveling to, from one side to another? Mm. It's like a... What, what what you're doing as what uh, Nika said is that we're looking at the cultural aspects. We're looking at the people, the people around to mm. bring the interventions. It's quite hard now to because whatever much we are talking is like we are we want to change or not to change but to at least to correct some things that they are cultural there and they have been there. So when a person comes from outside, mm -hmm. he's regarded like a, why are you eroding our our culture? Mm -hmm. So we want to bring change from within. So yeah. me from Mombasa going to Samburu and then saying, no, FGM is bad. Mm. People just like say, you're bringing those things ah, from those, your place. Ah, you yes, know? And, yes. And they know people, uh, the, the way they, they take Mombasa is like, ah, Mombasa, ah, you are bringing Mombasa. Yeah. Ah, yeah. So it's quite, it's quite hard. So it's the Samburu people who can change the Samburu guys. Yeah. Yeah. And it's the same thing we as in Mombasa, we want to change our people. From yes. Yeah. But not in a yes. bad way that to say, this is not the culture that we're supposed to be, but mm. how can we make it better? Because these are changing times. Yeah. So and we ourselves inside, I think we can do. Yeah, and language can be a barrier too. You cannot bring yeah. somebody from Safwani to do a play in Kiswahili. We did a tour with um, Safwani up the truck route because of all the um, Malayas on the route and the mm. high levels of HIV. And it's so uh, interesting that you say that, that word. It's just <laughs> so interesting to me. All the Malayas. Oh, <laughs> but all the sex but workers, <laughs> <laughs> I should say. All the sex workers. And, uh, but as we traveled up, it, it, the, the play lost impact the closer we got to Nairobi. Because mm. also the Swahili, you know what it's yeah. like. The Swahili at the coast, it's rich and deep and it's very different to Nairobi Swa. Yeah. So, uh, you know, once, once we got too close to Nairobi, you could feel the play lost its power. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, you know, yeah. The whole point, it's a, you know, that's why culture is such a powerful tool mm -hmm. in, in health education because it's, it's peer education. It's, and it's always, you know, so with SAFE, we always say we're community-led. So the 
female genital cutting program, abandonment program, started because the women in the company who are cut came to us and said, please, can we try and stop this? Mm-hmm. So we're not trying to impose anything. We're just trying to, what we're trying to do at SAFE is help people find a way to get the information that's needed to the community. Yeah. So from an actor to a health activist, activist yeah. but specifically sexual health, was it always general or... Or well, I mean, as I I mean say, was it always specific or did you... Th- and I think it's more, what more interests me is how you can harness culture and the arts for uh, a purpose in the in the developing world context. And you're often working with people who've not gone through any formal education. So, and people don't want to be lectured. Yeah. Mm. But if you can entertain people. And also, one of the things I loved with Safe Barney when we started was I was g- providing work to world-class actors. And culture, I think, is a right it's not a privilege. And in this country, it's very hard. There's no government sponsorship of the arts. There's ver- almost n- no corporate sponsorship of the arts. So to help build up a, a vibrant arts community is a real privilege. Yeah. So um, do you guys want to tell me why you got involved? Like in the beginning, what was that like? aha moment when mm. you decided that you wanted to get to become sec- uh, sexual educators sex educators in the right that you uh, are uh, to my side it's like this was what when I saw safe for the first time it was like this is what I wanted to do why it's because at that time I was working with uh, uh, Kilifi comprehensive care clinic we're doing th- there are some programs that I was running on uh, working with the uh, people living with HIV and AIDS. I being one of the guys, I'm, I'm, I'm also an activist for people living with HIV and AIDS. So the time when they came to me, it's like, they, they came and say that, can we get a person who can be able to talk to the people? A real person who is having HIV, who can be able to talk with the people and understand. And at that time I had started some support groups because it's like uh, guys are there the information that is there, because the first time I knew that I was positive, it was quite of like, I knew this is a death sentence. Mm-hmm. But when I came down and looked at the literature about HIV and AIDS, it was like, no, this is not a death sentence. And I came to realize that uh, I'm in a better position than a person who is having things like cancer, mm-hmm. things like yeah. ba- diabetes. Yeah. I can manage HIV. So why is this information not going to the people? that people can be able to manage it. So I was going around, I formed support groups, like at that time it was about 21 groups, different side of uh, Kilifi. All as a volunteer. Uh, As a volunteer, no one was supporting me. And when I was going around uh, telling people that, you know, I'm positive, but uh, I'm living a good life. It's like, what? It's it's, it's quite a lie, it can't be. This guy is paid to do that. But Mm. the thing is like, I was doing it, it's like I was doing it alone with few people who were with me. So it's like, where can I get a platform for me to tell these people the reality? Where is this platform that I can go around and tell people, make that person who is HIV positive in the village, who has refused to come out? How can I fight that stigma for a person who is like, I have a brother who is sick, needs to come out? I'm saying he's sick because when you don't treat that person, that person becomes sick. So how can you take that person out? It's like, "Mm, this person was diagnosed with HIV, now we're waiting for him to die. So this is what I wanted to go. Mm. bring these people out so mm. when I saw safe it's like I did my presentation there and uh, it could be they loved it I don't know in, mm. in their side well you're but, here now <laughs> but, I, but, <laughs> but I talked to my people shows that they loved it <laughs> I, I talked to my people it's like this is what's happening this is what is happening and we have 
way to follow it. And, mm. and, and the good thing is we have some doctors with them. It's like, man. So I was doing some referrals, busy doing what I, what I, what, what I work, what I do, and what I say. So the, the, the guys from service like, uh, we can work with him. And to me, it was like, yeah, this is what I need. Because I know you're going around and telling people, and this is the same thing. I want to go around and tell these people that HIV is not a death sentence. So you know, and when, 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 when Kalume started coming and doing the testimonials, I mean, it was, I mean, it was incredible, the response. Because people, even though we'd done a play, the characters in the play were HIV positive, the difference of having an activist there who's prepared to talk openly about their status is phenomenal. And, and people were so shocked. And Kalume is a very, very powerful speaker. And literally people would bring their sick relatives out of the houses and f bring them forward for treatment oh, wow. in the wake of his speeches at the end of the shows. Okay. So we were like, hey, do you want a job? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And so we, yeah. we, we, we kind of grabbed him and <laughs> luckily he loved us. So yeah. yeah. And that was what, it was mutual. Uh, the feeling was mutual. And, and the good thing is that it gave, us, it gave me the platform because it's like uh, so many people, not only in Kilifi now, but all, all of Coast Province. People is like, sometimes they call me, it's like, I have a sick person, I have a sick person. So that is what I wanted to do with the community. So people look to you for counseling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And curiously, how did you find out about s this kind of education with HIV and knowing that you can live a long, healthy life? Like, where did you get your education from? I'm telling you, I didn't get education until I knew I was HIV positive. That is when I got education. And then what happened? sometimes you may think of wanting to die but I had that there was an inner me that say I can't die you know why I was I was sick in a sick bed mm. so for three days I can't say what was happening but when I came out to say I, I saw the, it's like there are a lot of people who came at that at, at my home so it's like if I if I had died, I could have disappointed these people. <laughs> I was thinking so like, <laughs> like uh, it's like I can't then I won't die. Yeah. yeah, I won't die. I want these people to see that I can just live. Mm. But how I didn't know how. Mm. So when when I went to the hospital, it's like you are positive, you are decent. I say yes, I'm positive. Then the thing is, what should I do? Mm. Okay. That was the question. Now I was told about everything. Now it's like, and that was your first time learning. That is the first time learning. And and, and the bad thing is like I wasn't cancelled when I was tested. Uh, I wasn't cancelled. It's it's because I went. I was sick. So it, it's like, let's try. Oh. Let's try this. Let's try this. So when it came, like the doctor was just looking at me and say, "Do you know what? You are HIV positive." So it's like this feeling was really bad, sweating at a place where there was a fan just mm. near me, because it's like the it was a bit of I saw a bit of darkness, and then it's like, then what do you want me to do? So I didn't want that feeling to come to me. Let me prepare people for, for this. Yeah. And the good thing is that SAFE also gave me a forum because I, I, I went to train on counseling, HIV counseling. Mm -hmm. So it's like I need a person to be told. And then it's good for me telling people that go earlier when you don't have anything. Go to the testing uh, VCT as early as, as, as you can so that you can know if you are positive, then we know how we can be able to, to, to be cared for. Mm. And if you are negative, then you know how you can be able to protect, protect yourself. yourself. Yeah. So it's both sides. 
either you're positive or not. So mm -hmm. we don't go to VCT just to check on your status. It, it's just to check your status, but it's not going to confirm that I'm positive or oh, what, yeah. as many people are saying. Hashtag mm -hmm. confirm. No, no, it's nothing mm -hmm. like that. So this is what I wanted, first of all, to tell these people, because that feeling I got that day was really was. And this is why most of the people go come up from there and go and hang themselves. Because it's yeah. like, you're not prepared for this. Mm. But if, and now you can just go and it's like, ah, yes, I'm positive, but I saw Kalume somewhere. And, he, okay. and he's fine. So that, that also is a motivation for, for that person to go and look for. For, for, for care somewhere. Yeah. So this is exactly what, what I needed at mm. first. Mm. Thanks for sharing. Kasichana. Yes. How about you? Well, I knew Seth when I was in high school. And I was an entertainment prefect back then. <laughs> and, and everybody was like, you, you can do that. You're supposed to, to, to join them. And lucky enough, my sister was in the group. My elder sister, my cousin's sister was in the group. But then... Well, that was Seth, that was then. So two years later, I was out of school. And um, like f finding what I can do with myself. I lost my dad when I was in form, form two, like 11th, 11th for form two, 2008. So um, I looked for something to do at, at home. And I also joined some groups here and there did acting bit of acting but then i might i might have had some moments that triggered me to join self because the groups that i joined were not talking about the reality how how i want them to 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 give out the information because self did a play called masika and they were talking about about hiv and how to live positive with 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 the disease and all that stuff it was what i wanted to hear yes so fast forward <laughs> uh there's a time i i worked uh kalume doesn't doesn't know this i worked in in another indian shop back in back in uh, 2010 then i, I already knew Ooh. what i wanted but then that was me helping my mother cut her for, for some bills at home. And then as, as, as a normal day, I think it was the first day when I was in that shop, I got the job like ASAP. And I was like, ah, oh, okay, lucky me. So in the middle of the day, my mom had already gone. And then this, this Muhindi came and, and touched my breast. Like literally touching me. It's like, what the fuck is wrong with with this old man? Because he was old. And I walked out of the shop. Whatever he did with his shop, that is him. And I said, I'm not going back to Markiti. The place is Markiti. I said, I'm not going back to Markiti. And my mom could not understand why I left a job. I was being paid 4,000. She couldn't just understand why I left. But she said, if it's okay with you, then it's, it's okay with me. Mm. Did you so tell her what happened? I, I tried. I just didn't find words to speak like how I'm speaking today. Mm. So fast forward one year later, Seth Pony called for an audition. And then went. Unfortunately, they, they, I, they didn't. I have to say it's one of the best auditions 
that we have ever had. I had no idea she was related to Regina, who's her cousin. Yeah. And this girl, this force just came in. And we always, because we work so much on improvisation, when we create pieces, we just improvise around the issues. Mm -hmm. And so I just give people, and I just kept on giving her another improvisation and another one just sitting there watching her thinking, oh my God, (laughs) this is something really exciting. Mm -hmm. So We gave her a job. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. You don't even want the the girl to speak. (laughs) (laughs) It's what I wanted to say. They gave me a job and here I am. Yeah. Yes. Oh wow. So you're a singer? Yeah, I sing. You rap, you sing. I rap. It's singing. I can sing. I can yeah. You can do that again. Let jump. 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 Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Oh, really? Yeah. As the producer. Uh, <laughs> but no. do I say? No, he's not. Yeah, you see how men come and like to steal credit from women's. I, uh, uh, it becomes no. a, <laughs> women's wonder. It becomes a gender issue now. <laughs> <laughs> it's always a gender issue. Okay, wow. First of all, you know, the fact that your mom allowed you to walk out of that store when you were sexually assaulted is very powerful because there's so many girls who are your age who get into even worse situations and their parents because are s- they're so hungry for money they don't allow them to leave a lot of these mothers force their young children knowing full well that their children are getting abused to stay in those situations because money is more important than the well-being of their children C- can i give us a, a scenario that happened in malindi yes please like this i think I thought so. I was doing research on uh, we were we were supposed to do an HIV the Masika play in Malindi, mm-hmm. so we were going to schools. So there was a parent who had come to the school to get permission for her daughter, who is who was at that time it was twelve years, mm. to go and meet Hamzu in a cottage for three weeks. So it wow. was like. Uh, I've come here. Can you give permission to my daughter because Hamzungu has just arrived? Mm. You know, this is just because it's like I don't, I can't say it's, it's like it's poverty, but sometimes it's that erode of it's like there's no morals. Mm. How can you do I that? Mean, yes, how can you? You as a, as a parent, even if you're poor, mm. do you have any means of making money except going selling to selling your child? So this is a thing that we need to address. Yeah. It really is. The Masika play, the Masika character is raped by her teacher and contracts HIV from him. Mm-hmm. And this was, I mean, we've been doing that play for 10 years, and it was so common that this was happening. Mm-hmm. And quite often when children were abused by the teachers, the parents would not support them. Mm. and would just say, go back to school, you're lucky you're having an education. Mm. Don't make a fuss. Mm. It was somehow sanctioned, almost. This is, this is very common practice. So with the work that you do with education, yeah. in situations like that, how do you change the mindset of a mother 
who is sending her child off for sex work in exchange for money, how do you change the mother's mindset when she's already so set in her ways? Uh, it's, it's, quite, it's quite a journey because you can't just one day and say, I just want to raise this person because he's doing ABCD. It's like much, much of it is education. Much of it is education because we want to change this perception of the people. This, this is what they have been doing. Mm -hmm. This is what the community has been doing. It's the same case as we are talking about radicalization. People have, have things have been pumped into their heads. So how do we do it? We, we, we educate these people. So we are using the theater. We are also using forum group discussions. And also we go to, we, we, we want to introduce even mentors to these young girls or young, or where there's that problem. So if you do that, at least people can now see that there is this. Uh, There's something they can do, mm -hmm. because let's say if you're going, you're, I'm sorry to say that, but if you're in Mtwapa and you have a girl, mm. and you say, go to school, but the girl will ask you, who has gone to school and become rich in my area, because whatever they're seeing, is like the big house that is there, Muzungu. the one who's driving a car, had a muzungu. Yeah. That's why. Mm, and that's what they want. Yeah. And, yes. the, and that, that's exactly, everyone wants good life. Yes. And this is what they're seeing. The role models are those people who, are, who have been working or who have been having a foreigner. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So at the early age, that person will not think about school, think about getting, going to the beach and getting a mzungu. Mm. So now, how can we change this perception? It's not a matter of arresting any person and saying there's no tourism yeah. in Kenya. Mm. Nothing. But I think if we empower these people, and this is what SEPIS does, yeah. does, to empower this community, to understand that we can do this. And that's why we are, we are introducing the life skill as part of the program. In, in, in schools. Because yeah. change yeah. is drastic, you know. And then SEF never gets tired. We go, we go to the community. We make sure we come to that community five times. So if you don't want to listen, you listen at some point. Mm, you don't have a choice. Yes. So it's just that we keep doing what we're doing and we do it with, 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 with the best. Okay. Yes. Kazichana, let me ask you, what kind of uh, education around sexuality did you learn when you were in school? And then where did you, where did you actually get your comprehensive education from? So what did you learn in school? And then where did you actually get your education about sex from? Well, in school, I learned the vagina. That looks, it looks like, like this, like, <laughs> like a popo, like, like an avocado. That's what I learned in school, that that is the vagina. And this is the penis that looks mm. like a cassava. <laughs> or cucumber. Or cucumber. Mm. Yes, that is what I, like, that is what I learned in mm. school. But after school, Okay, I lost my virginity after high school mm. in some nightclub party. I went with my boyfriend and then he had waited for so mm. long. So, yes. How old were you? I was 21. Okay. 20. I started practicing sex kind of early. Yo. Yeah, but you're, you're unusual at 21. Yeah, a lot of people start so like much early. earlier. So much like for real. But you know that even just with the work you're doing with teenage pregnancies, with no education around sex, yeah, and nine. 21 is not but early. But I, I, I thought it's the age that it's just behind me. Uh, anyway, mm -hmm. so yes, that was knowledge in school. Mm. But then after school, when I had sex, I remember promising I will never do it again. It was painful. 
Mm-hmm. And I had a friend of mine who was saying, see me, I lost my virginity like slowly. My boyfriend told me, put your leg like this and then like this. And then tomorrow we did it again. And then it became normal. And that didn't talk about my experience because mine was like, mm. Mm. I was like, it was bad, you know. But then I kept talking to people and people were telling me how they lost their virginity. Pe- and and then these people, your age my mates? Friend, yes, age mate, I talk. Then my friend told me she does what? Blowjob? I didn't know about that. Then some, some other people said the boyfriends licked them from the <laughs> feet. To, and I'm like, okay. <laughs> so yes, that's how I knew about sex. So just talking to your peers, did, yeah. you, did you get any kind of education for people that were older than you? Mm, no, no. My, my, my auntie tried to, by talking about, like, my auntie doesn't say penis. He kitu. He But my, my peers say, penis, when the penis got in me, I felt like, you know, they yeah. say that. So, I mean, there's, a lo- there's also a lot of conversation around in coastal communities that they're the ones who are taught about like the the aunties teach them about mm. sexual education and like the waist beads and how to to keep your vagina clean uh. by standing on top of the udi and katika kiun they call it kufundwa is that, kufundwa. You, is that you, what's you, that you know, let, let's tell in the real sense the coastal community used to have sex education it's not a new thing in coastal because it's like a person is being a girl trained how to behave how to st- like like a girl, yeah. And then uh, how to behave in front of men, how to behave when she's with her husband. This this things are taught. How to have sex. How to have sex also. How to enjoy sex. Let's be true. Mm. How to wine your waist. How how. But but it's not how to. I I'm put it in, in in quotes. It's not how to enjoy. How to make. How to please your man. How to please your, your man. man. That is mm. that is what is being taught. So. The sex education was there, but it's now. Oh, I wasn't taught that. Mm, but, but it's not there because <laughs> who used to do that? There were those, they say, aunties. The singers. And also grandies yeah. who were there. Mm. Even, even we, the men, also used to get our education there. Where did you get your education from? To me, let me tell you. Did anyone teach you about sex? No one. No one. Because so they stopped doing that a long time ago. Long time. So how did you know what to do the first time that you had sex? Experiment. Okay. Like the, here's uh, where I put. It's like w- w- it's the peer. Tengia wapi? Punishimo ni gani? Nipi? Unajaribu hapo? Unajaribu zote? Then you missed. You missed. Unajua siko huko. Oh ni hapa. What happens when you're all amateurs? And then also um how do you Kiluma? Hey, I'm, huh? I'm Asian person. <laughs> I'm 47 now. Because I'm wondering, when you were younger, when you started having sex, yeah, yeah. there was no cell phones in those days. Yeah, yeah. So there was no access to it's, it's technology. Peer. The education we are getting is peer education. Uh. It's like when you're sitting with your guys, it's like they talk about the experiences. Mm. And you mm. talk about, you make your own experience at that time. Yeah, of course. Because mm. you don't want to be left behind. It's like, I have a girlfriend, and you don't have, it's like, you make your own girlfriend. Yeah, imaginary mind. girlfriend. So, mm. but but after that, it's like you're looking, you're really looking for a girlfriend. Yeah. Uh, because so, yeah. yeah so I understand. To make those imaginations <laughs> to make those happen. Imagination happen now. Yeah. So, 
This, this is what else, because it's like no education is, is, is there. We just depend on the peer education. Yeah. So the good thing, if you get a person who understands what, she, what, what he, he talks, it's deep. and it's, it's, it's quite conflicting, because if you go to that, like I am, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm from a Christian family. Mm -hmm. So what you're told is like, sex is bad. Yeah. But when you calm down, it's like sex is good. So th there's that. It's conflicting. Con conflicting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But when you first do sex, like women, it's like you feel it's like it's good. Why are these people telling me that it's bad? Mm. You know, so you are not getting the right thing. Mm. So it's like, at the same time, it's like, ah, I'll do whatever, mm, whatever I want. I want. Mm. Whatever Can you tell me a little bit about um, some of the programs that you're teaching around sexual pleasure? As opposed to it being... A lot of the education that we receive is always preventative. Mm -hmm. It's use condoms so mm -hmm. you so you're not so you don't contract any SDIs mm -hmm. or uh, you don't get pregnant. But there are programs that you're teaching for sexual pleasure. Well, it, uh, yeah, um, it, we're in the female genital cutting abandonment program in Loiter, we the first the performance is a Maasai song and story which talks about all the issues. Two competing songs: a group of men and women singing in favour of FGM, a group of men and women singing against it, and they kind of interrupt each other, grabbing the microphone. But it means, as the audience, whatever your opinion is, you see your uh, 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 it's you see it presented on the stage. But following on from that, when you've started a discussion, you can bring people into workshops, and it's in those workshops where. The, with the older women particularly, the discussion around sexual pleasure is a hugely powerful tool in abandonment because women are interested. They want to know what clitoral orgasm is. They want to know what the pleasure is that they've been de denied. And again, in the men's workshops, they also will talk very freely and say, yeah, the girls, before they're cut, they're really fun. Mm. Okay, so let's talk about why they might not be fun when you've cut them. And uh, so it's a very, you know, sex is a very powerful tool in terms of getting people to m want to get on board with abandonment. Uh, and also in issues of HIV, we talk about sexual pleasures. Because it's like, uh, we, we, we are saying every time that uh, for have a, a, a good sex you must satisfy each other and also the girl should be prepared yeah. because when this lad, lady is prepared then there's this fluid that comes out lubrication the, the, the vagina mm. and then you don't have those cuts whenever you're doing sex with that mm. and also it reduces the chances of HIV, HIV because they lost the, the, those bruises are, are, mm. are not there. so mm. you explain to them it's like have the best foreplay make sure that your partner is well prepared how do you prepare your lady you're trying to tell all those those issues mm. and also it's like uh, for the young people it's like you're telling them that sex is not bad sex is good but at what age or when do you need to do it so sometimes I tell them that it's like it's like eating a mango mm. when you let it until it becomes ripe it's so sweet mm. but if you do it earlier it's sour mm. so this is how things are happening. So for you, your body hasn't matured enough to, ha to, to engage yourself in sex. Mm. So there's a high possibility that they'll be tired during your sex. Mm. There'll be all those problems during sex at the early age. So why don't you wait until this mango is ripe for you to enjoy mm. eating your, your mango? So we, we, we tell them about sexual pleasure. But the bad thing is like most of the people are just, if you want to 
it's like an advice they give the youth. No, don't do sex. Sex is bad. Yeah. And they're saying bad and themselves are doing sex. How is mm, it? You know, yeah. even, you know, uh, kids of nowadays are not kids of the yesterday's. Mm. Because it's like they ask themselves, there are enough beds in the house. Why is mom sleeping with dad? Dad. <laughs> Enough, ah, you know, these are questions they're asking themselves, yeah. So, and then some a of, lot them, of them are living in houses where mm. they can hear them, ah, and, and sometimes yeah. we have just small they're separated rooms. by a curtain, yeah. 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 And then they, they push the curtain and they see something that is happening. You there. don't even push and then so early in the morning, say, Sex is bad, sex is no, bad. What were you doing last night? Yeah, you hear this your mother morning, mm. <laughs> so you don't even push the curtain, you hear your mother <laughs> morning, and you're wondering what's that. And so, when you're wondering, you push the curtain on, see, yeah. Oh, <laughs> see? Wow. yeah. Um, and you know, there's a sexual revolution happening in this country, and in, in, you know, there's a lot of kids now have access to smartphones, mm. and and therefore to pornography. Yeah. And the guidance and counselling teachers are reporting a big increase in experimental sexual activity in, within schools, and girls who seem to think it's normal to have three or four male partners at the same time, and they there is no uh, ability to help young people navigate this so there you've got a very conservative society which still refuses to talk about sex and yet this access now to pornography which is people transforming will, young people, people will find the information yes yeah. you just need to give it to them in a safe nuanced way they need to be able to well we need we need sex education in schools in Kenya really really badly it's very frustrating to not be allowed to give young people proper condom demonstrations when mm -hmm. we're working in schools. You can't even really mention. We have to say kinga, in you know. What does kinga mean? Protection. Protection. You know, protection. You know. <laughs> I didn't know that. <laughs> we'll teach you swapping. Um, <laughs> um, but you know, you know, it's, it's we say wear protection, not wear a condom. Yeah. And uh, and and you know, you need to be able to talk about it. You, you young people are having sex. And they need to be instructed how to have safe sex, to have good sex, to have yeah. positive, good sexual experiences. Because we all know, starting, as Kasichan is just saying, it's often a very difficult debut into for most people. But you find your way through it. But you're, if you're given the right information, then you have a much better chance of constructing good, healthy sexual relationships. Amen. <laughs> um, I, I think that... Just really quickly, mm -hmm. I, does this ever does same sex ever come up in your um, plays in your teachings? Do you teach people about how to be safe when they're having same sex, same sex sex, men with men, women mm. with women? Is that something that you bring up in your teachings? Is that something that you talk about? I, I really talk about those things when mostly I'm doing an HIV programs, because it's you have to look at a way how you can squeeze that topic in. It's a very sensitive topic yes. in Mombasa. But it doesn't mean that people are not having same sexes. Yeah. I, I have an experience I want just to say. There was one day we were doing uh, an outreach involving the gay, gay. people mm. around. Mm. So it was like we were doing some drums in Baropa going around. It was World Ice Day. So we had decided that let's do it here in Tropa. So when I was, uh, I, I was with another guy down. I don't kind of say it's a guy or but we were together. So it was like, there were a lot of abuses coming from every corner. Mm. But the guy told me that, just wait for me. If I reach to that person who is making noise, mm. look at him if he'll make that noise. So when we went near that person, it was like the guy just turned and moved off. 
meaning was that they're having sex. It's like, so when I ask it, like, I'm always having sex with you. Mm. So things are happening behind, but most of the people just follow the, the mainstream is that we're not doing this. Mm. Yeah. So mm. to us, how do we introduce that topic in? And allow people and, to and be safe. It's like now we are telling people that the percentage of like uh, the risk of HIV in gay or let's say in anal, anal sex, it's it's about thirty percent higher. Mm. So how do we do? How do we do it safely? Because guys are doing it. Mm. And there was a there was a myth that anal sex was safe because there was so much education around vaginal sex being dangerous. So people thought, oh well, if I have anal sex, then I'm, not gonna, then I'm not going to have a problem. Mm. It's very hard to introduce the sub subject of gayism, as it's known at the coast, um, into the mainstream plays because of the uh, prejudice and discrimination. Mm. Um, I mean, we did a lot of work with um, uh, a, a gay group in Mtwapa, many of whom were working as sex workers. And my assumption was that they were servicing the tourist trade. And in fact, 99.9% .9 of their clients were married Kenyan married men. Married Kenyan. Because, yeah, I've heard that. because they're, 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 they're not able to acknowledge their sexuality. So they're forced by their families into a marriage. And then there's some poor lady at home who's not being loved and appreciated and adored in the mm. way that she should be. And he's going out and having quite dangerous sexual encounters. With and possibly bringing disease home. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, you know, one of the things we were trying to help the young men navigate was the use of condoms because many of them are HIV positive and they don't want to be passing it on. But many of the men who come to them will pay them more to have sex without a condom. Mm. And, I mean, this is... I, I didn't want to get too much into queer conversations, but um, PrEP... Mm. You, do you know about PrEP? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Has just recently been introduced into the um, gay community around, mm. a, a lot more now around Kenya. And I was having a conversation with a friend of mine who's gay a few, a gay man, a few weeks ago. Mm -hmm. And we talked about how men on PrEP mm -hmm. now more than ever don't want to have sex with condoms because they use it as a like i'm on prep yeah, we're fine yeah but the silly thing about that is uh, i guess people who are on prep are under the impression that the only disease that can be contracted is hiv whereas sdis are prevalent and there's a lot of other diseases that you can get without using condoms um i don't know if if you're if safe is involved in any kind of these these kind of conversations at all or this kind of work the, the big problem we have with prep is that people are who are already on antiretroviral treatment um, mm. are then going on to PrEP. Yeah, mm. yeah. Kaluma, you've been I, th I think that, that is another thing. Do people think that PrEP is, a f is going to yeah. cure them of their you, HIV? You know, you know the problem is like uh, there are so many good things that are being introduced, but the knowledge around it is quite minimal. Uh -huh. So if you're talking about PrEP, PrEP is good, but how is it supposed to be? What are the ways on which this should be dispersed to, uh, dispersed to the people. Yeah. So this, there's no education around it. Mm -hmm. and, that, and, and I think that the frustration uh, which uh, Nick was talking about with the public health education, mm -hmm. that we don't have enough health education. And we people like SAFE who d go around, it's like we have to navigate to know what is happening there. There's no times like the government cannot be able to go around. Why don't they call that we are now introducing such and such a thing? So if you're going around, go and talk about this and this and this, mm. and this. So that we can look for our own words. Nothing's being talked about. 
So it's like we navigate our own way mm. and seeing how we can be able to give the right information to the people. So w- what prevents... Very recently, Mary Stopes has been banned from teaching yeah. se- sexual education. Yeah. What prevents the government from shutting down an organization like SAFE? I, I think the good thing about this is like we understand all the... It's like it's not really understanding, but it's like uh, what we're doing is we, 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 we understand how sensitive some issues are. Mm. And it's like uh, we, because we're working with the community, most of the time it's like the community comes out and mm. say that these people are teaching us bad things. Why? Because of the approach that is there. Like uh, we, we did a, a, a gay program, mm. let's say it's the, 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 the homosexual program some, for about six it's about six, it was one year mm. when we were doing it. It wasn't a very problem because the approach that we did was good. But uh, there was another organization that did it. And they, you haven't prepared the community and then you're going out. Uh-huh. I see what you're meaning. Yeah. But the community, if they understand, because whatever, before we do any program, we do a research yes. and see what are the words, what are the perceptions. And what's and what the most effective way to get the message across? The whole package. Yeah. It's how we package how ourselves. We package the it. problem yeah. comes from yeah. the people. Yeah. Yeah then we, we get the solutions from, from the, the people. people. Mm. So we don't just go with, okay, these are the problems, these are the solutions. Yeah. Yeah. Another, another bad thing is like uh, most of us, the organization, the CSOs, are like we go to the community with solutions. SEF does not go with solutions. Yeah. Because it's like every community is unique. How do we get you it? You have to ask the right question. Yes. So, yes. Ra- you ask the right so that question. you can answer the question. Mm-hmm. Yes. And so that the community can, can answer, answer can the question. People, uh-huh. have, people have the solution. The, the solutions. Yes. And you have to guide them. And also if they create... I mean, we often have our own opinion of what the solution yes. is, uh-huh. but we don't go in going, oh, you mean yeah. it. Yeah. Because so why is that? Why and mm-hmm. why do you think, do you think? that? Mm-hmm. And then if people come up with a solution themselves... Mm. Then they own it. Yes, and, and it's then it's theirs, very and then they will take take action. Yeah, yeah. be easy to implement we never your in own the F- solution. In yes, because you the feel like you're the one who I own. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Okay. And in the FGS FGC workshops, we never say don't cut your daughters. Yeah. We just say, well, so why do people say it shouldn't be done? So let's look at what what are the health implications for mm-hmm. the mother and any unborn child she might have what are the what are all the problems what are the, what's all the issues around sexual pleasure and mm. and then you talk about it all and at the end of the workshop like they go what we do you should th- stop what do you think we should think and then they go what yeah. do you, well we must stop this yeah. we must stop hard uh, so how do we stop because people aren't cutting yes. their daughters because they want to hurt them yeah. yeah they're doing it because it's a cultural norm because yeah. how you told. become a, and mm-hmm. it's it's what's been done for generations yeah, yeah. but once people have the information they are then able to make a decision. Yes. And they can then say, and then they own that decision. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. I, I think SAFE also, like like in SAFE Kwani, I think we're using this, the forum theater aspect. Mm. I think the forum theater has become so powerful in the community. It's do, like. Do you know I, forum? I, I, I no, I don't. You can explain about the forum theater. So, forum theater, you create a sort of short 15, 20 minute piece where you have a protagonist who makes a series of bad decisions and then there's a very bad ending. Okay. And then you have a joker, a facilitator, who says to the audience, did, well, did it have to be like this? And uh, you get the audience talking, and when you've got a few people talking about a particular scene, you say, okay, look, we'll run that scene again, and okay. when you think they should do something different, say stop. So you run the scene, and then Kaz says, stop. And we go, yeah, Kaz, what? Well, in show? well she could have done this. She should have said that. Okay, well, you, Kaz is going to come up on stage, and you get Kaz up on stage, and she takes over the role of the, of the protagonist, and then she tries to find a solution. And what you will try and do is try and 
construct the play so that looks like there's an easy solution. Mm. So, and of course you block that. And then everyone has to start thinking. And everyone has to start participates participatory theater. And then they're finding solutions. And then gradually, as the audience keep taking over, different audience members take over that role, mm -hmm. they then eventually find a way to solve this character's problem. And it's an incredibly powerful. The film we made about radicalization, we did it as a film. So we did a short film, and then the film becomes a documentary while we perform it live to real audiences in Mombasa. And then as they start to find compelling solutions, we go back into the film and then we run the film which is written by the citizens of Mombasa and we have a happy ending to this story of radicalization. So it's, a, it's an incredibly powerful way of getting people to think about the problems they are facing. Mm. Uh, and you That's, see, all I those like problems, all, all the solution that comes out, it's not self solution. It comes from it's the, the community. Solution. And what we do is like, like I don't try to to, 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 let's say, it's like coordinate and see how they can be able now to implement what they have already decided that these are the right uh -huh. so it's, it's a, And it's so a you help them solution. with the implementation yeah. process? Yes. How long do you stay in the community to help them implement whatever solutions these are before you leave and move to somewhere else? Well, we, try and, we try and work in the same communities repeatedly. So we, yes. we, we're sort of depth, not breadth. We can't do the whole of the coast because it's too big. So we, we do a lot of work on South Coast. Um, and we've been working there since 2002 we started. So, you know, 16 years. And that's why Kalume is so well known because he's regularly in those communities. So he's a little celebrity. It makes him very approachable. He's, he's on. I'm the James Bond there. <laughs> <laughs> as long as long we, 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 we stay in a community as long... Uh, uh, to to some extent that we see the solutions being implemented. Like there's a group from Majengo, we started with just the other day, and then we could find the reason a reason to go back. Now they came up with the solution. No, we're not employed and all that stuff and all this stuff. So how do we get you uh, uh, do something that is generating income? Then they came up with ideas. We can open a, ga a garbage uh, collection. Uh, group and everybody came up with an idea and then where do we get the funds uh we i don't know i don't know maybe if there's a group and they said okay what if what if nick looks for some funds kidogo for, for from sponsors because that is what seth does it doesn't have money it gets sponsors to get the money so here we have what are we going to do with five shilling this five shilling that we got oh we're going to do this okay let us try and now we're doing follow-ups on where how the businesses are running and where they are and we will still go back to to how how are we getting the income what are we doing with the money how long will you see that is do you mm. check your statistics before and after to to be able to see what kind of impact you've made in different communities mm -hmm. yeah we do yeah. we do um quite you know detailed baseline surveys of attitudes and uh, you know particularly around if you, if you issues like FGM um, but also with HIV and also with um, the radicalization program which is the, these youth groups have come out of workshops I mean the interesting thing that forum film I was talking about when you go into a workshop with young people and usually you've gone through you go to a chief and say we want to work with some young people at risk of radicalization and they bring in a group of the brightest loveliest unemployed people you've ever seen in your life but they watch the film and they go oh we know who you should talk to and they then bring in a group of mostly men um, boys youth and they're angry and withdrawn and then they watch the film and they go 
that's our story. Mm-hmm. And then they start opening up. And they start communicating. And then and these youth groups that Kasichana was talking about were groups who by the end of the day were like, but we should be doing something. We could we could form our own youth group. We could so we were we've tried to take that forward and we've managed to raise some money for them and we're supporting them now as they try and get a little business going in Majenga, which is one of the most radicalized areas of Mombasa. Yeah. Okay. So how you said safe is getting money from donors sponsors mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. is this is solely how you survive yeah and how then how can people contribute like personally yeah, yeah absolutely safekenya.org okay which is our website org safekenya.org and so personal contributions are absolutely and you can say i want to support the female genital cutting abandonment program i want to support efforts at de-radicalization i want to support HIV education and HIV is is not you know there's been a lot of talk in Madonna community there's a lot of fatigue around this issue and mm. a lo- certainly a lot of money was wasted around HIV to the detriment of tuberculosis and malaria and other diseases but um, there is a, a a very big problem with HIV drug adherence and drug resistant strains these are uh, a big issues for Africa which have to be addressed. Um, so if people want to donate to any particular <laughs> cause, they can just send us a note and uh, and we can restrict the money for those programs. Okay. So, guys, if you're listening and you want to contribute to help SAFE, I mean, I think you guys are doing amazing work. I Thank honestly you. didn't even know to what level until I started having this conversation with you because I think it's so smart to be able to allow people to create their own solutions. Mm-hmm. That more than anything is so phenomenal and the use of art in, in, in these in spaces, in education. Yeah, yeah, it's wonderful. So if you guys are listening and you'd like to support SAFE, I have attached a link in the bio. So just scroll down to the bottom of your screen and you're going to see the link for safe.org. Click on the link and you have access to be able to contribute to help these guys continue to make changes in in these communities. Thank you. Good work, guys. Thank you. <laughs> Good work. Wow, I, I'm so moved. <laughs> Is there anything you'd like to add before we wrap up? Uh, th- there's something I want to add. I think what uh, Nick have said that there's a bit donor fatigue on issues of HIV and AIDS. There is a lot of challenge down there. People just assume that uh, there is enough education on HIV and AIDS. And to us, it's like there's something that we're seeing that there's an increase of uh, HIV infection with the youth. Why is it coming so? Because there used to be a time, like when we were young, it was like we were about 18. We were taught about condoms. And there were those young kids whom we used to push them out. It's like, don't, don't come, don't come. Mm. Now these kids are, 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 are at the Kasijana age. Mm. Now they don't have information about HIV. Yeah. They don't have, because we used to chase them out in the halls because we were talking about sex. And they are not supposed to talk about sex. So this is now the, the explosion of HIV to these young people. And then at that time that we didn't have enough information, there were a lot of b- b- birds of uh, positive kids. Mm. Now they're becoming old. Now they're becoming adolescent. Now they are, they have been born HIV positive. They're carriers. Now it's like they want to know about sex. How can they prevent HIV going to other persons? Mm. Or how can they prevent the reinfection of HIV? This is not known. Yeah. So we are talking about donor fatigue. We are talking about not 
giving enough information. They need to have that information. Who is giving them? Who is giving them that information? So we need. And Clem is right. You have a generation like him yeah. uh, of people in their yeah. late twenties and early thirties who are actually quite well educated yeah. about yeah. HIV because yeah. that's when there was a lot of education. You go below twenty-five, it gets worse and worse and worse. They and it seems like yeah. the kids coming up now out of school. I mean, they'll use a condom to prevent, pre- prevent pregnancy. pregnancy. Mm-hmm. They so, I mean, literally, so. their fear of HIV or STIs is, is 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 negligible. And as in the UK, people go, "There's a cure. You can take drugs." Yeah, exactly. Know. So you know, there needs to be. This is all about sex education and what we were talking about earlier. You know, we need good sex education for young people. Yeah. And that's why I'm saying. Although how romantic I say that uh, it's 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 very possible uh, possible to live with HIV, mm-hmm. it's challenging. Yeah. So let these people understand that it's not just I can get HIV, I can get ARVs. Yeah. Nothing. It's like not that. easy. It's quite a journey to become like Kalume. So yeah. why why don't you try to Pre- prevent prevention that? is yeah. better so, than cure? I mean, I don't have much to add, but. I'm lucky I had peers to talk about sex with, you know, but there's somebody, there's 1% down in Kilifi that they don't know anything about sex and they're my age. I was doing a, a play, a skit the other day, and people didn't know that condom is a contraceptive, you know? So there is need for people to talk about sex freely. Yeah. Yes. Well, let's just hope that people in Kilifi and people in Samburu have access to podcasts. Because <laughs> then you can share this with everybody. And I think, I don't know if audio is a nice, I don't know if it's, it's a, if a, it's a. It's an excellent medium. Yeah. And so I, perhaps we can share this episode of this podcast yeah. Yeah. with as many of, people. Of course, it would be better if we'd done the whole thing in Swahili. Yeah, I'll get a translator. Yeah. <laughs> please do. I'll have subtitles. Oh, please do. Nick, do you want to? Yes, do you want to say something no, before we go? Just, it's just a, a, a massive pleasure to come and talk to you. Oh my gosh, the pleasure is all mine. Mm-hmm. And uh, girl, calm down. <laughs> she's, <laughs> like, I'm, I'm not she's like, mm-hmm. <laughs> not that kind of pleasure. <laughs> <laughs> she's got a blanket. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, guys. So much. Thank you for being a part of the spread. Uh, once again, guys, if you do want to support Safe, the link is in the bio. Please, 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 whatever you can is acceptable. Yeah. Absolutely. Whatever little you can uh, contribute is completely acceptable. Please make sure that you follow the link in the bio and help these guys make a change, make a difference, and create sexual education. This is a sexual revolution, and we can make a change one orgasm at a time yes we can yes we can yes we can thank you cuz lucas yes bye guys thank you guys so much for tuning into this episode as always it's such a pleasure to have you guys on here i'm creating content for you so if you want feel free to send us an email with topics or guests that you think would be really dope for the show we are host at the spreadpodcast.com and please do not forget to like us on all of our social media we are at the spread pod across the board. That's right. We'll see you next time. I want you to take it. Cause I know I found something special. So I just wanna lay down my body and just expose myself to you. Oh baby. So lay down your body and just expose
expose yourself to me too Because I want your love, will you give me love Make my dream a reality, cause I know I'm